I saw this mom. I was working in this luxury apartment complex and I was walking through the hallway and I saw this mom and I'm not kidding. She was in shorts and a tank top. And she was, if you can imagine, um, just being completely down with her sort of her head between her knees, crying, rocking herself back and forth. As I came closer, I realized why. She had a baby inside that wouldn't stop crying and, event, and another toddler who was running around and she had come to the end of herself. I don't know if you've ever had a moment like that. You don't need to be a mom to know that moment. That moment where you come to the end of yourself, where you wish you could do more, but there's no more to give. I was too young to understand what she was feeling in that moment. But now as a father of six, I kind of have an idea, not full, but sort of kind of an idea of what it feels like to wish you could meet the needs, wish you could help out, wish you could be there for, and just not have it in you to do. She was at the end of her rope and she had nothing left to give. Today's message is for those of us who have nothing left and who desperately need to be renewed. Now, that is at least, maybe more, but at least two types of people here. There are those of you who are in Christ and you love Jesus and you've been serving and loving and pursuing Jesus for years, but you are done. You're exhausted. You've given everything that you can and you're at the end of the rope. At, at the end of your rope, this message is for you. And then there are those of you who are here who wouldn't consider yourself like religious or Christian. Maybe you would think of yourself as spiritual. Or maybe you would be, you came because, I don't know, right? Moms invite their kids to churches on Sundays. So like you're forced to come this once a year and that kind of thing, you know? I don't know what your story is. I don't know where you are. But this message is also for those who have spiritually sought and have come up dry and empty. My prayer is that the Lord would speak to us all because I think we all need to hear what Jesus has to say. Because every one of us, whether we're in Christ and we're serving Jesus and we come to the end of our rope or we're just at the end of our rope in life, listen to me. Every one of us will come to that point and we will be tempted to despair. Tempted to get away from everything or even end it all in some circumstances. Beloved, we need to be reminded of the hope that we have in Jesus. Today, we're going to be looking at John chapter 7. And we're just going to be looking at a couple of verses, 37 through 39. And in these verses, what we have is we have Jesus telling us where to go for those who thirst. Where to go when you're tapped out. Where to go when you've run out of yourself. Jesus is going to give us instruction about this. Let me give you some uh, background 
knowledge on what's going on here. So in this chapter, Jesus would have accused those around him uh, of attempting to murder him. This is close to um, where he's going to be laying down his life for everyone, for you, for me, for the sins that Sharon just confessed and the sins that I have lived and the sins that are in the pers- with the person in sitting in your seat. See, Jesus knows he's going to die, but he comes to this feast. It's a, it's a holiday, uh, Sukkot. It's the feast of booths. It's commemorating, remembering when the people of Israel were in the desert for 40 years, how they lived in tents. And so every year they're reminded of this in this feast, in this celebration. And so they're there and there. And in fact, if you live in Brooklyn or even if you've gone down Eastern Parkway um, at the end of fall, you'll see like uh, literal booths. Like they're like lean-tos. They're like small lean-tos, you know, like where it's like a three-walled thing and it has an opening. And you'll see Jewish people staying there, reminding themselves of this incredible um, this incredible thing that God did in leading them through the desert for 40 years. Well, there was this moment in that time of the desert where the people were complaining they were dry, they were thirsty, they were in a desert for crying out loud. And they were saying, we actually need water. And so Moses, like any good leader, goes to God and says, we got a problem and I think it's yours, you got to solve it. And so God says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to the rock. I want you to strike it and like a river of water will come out. Like enough to quench the thirst of millions of people. And so Moses goes to this rock, which really represents who God is, and strikes it and water comes out and the people's thirst is quenched. Well, now... Lots of time has passed. They're no longer in the desert. And now they're remembering this at this feast. It's to this that Jesus is speaking to. So he comes to this and he says this. Would you stand with me as we read God's word? On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Please, have a seat. Jesus comes and we see in the text on the last and greatest day. So it's the last day of the festival. And what would happen on the last day of the festival is you can imagine there would be this priest. This priest would bring this jug, fill it up with water. There would be a procession that people would follow and then he would pour out the jug, symbolically reminding everyone that God was 
give, had given them water to drink in the desert. Jesus comes in this environment and he says, I want you to know this for all of you. And, he's, and listen, listen to what happens. On the last and greatest day of the festival, that's this day where they're pouring out the jug, reminding people of how God had satiated the thirst of all the people in that time. Jesus stood and said in a loud voice. Now, you have to understand how wild that statement is. It's wild because in that time, if you were going to teach like a rabbi, you would teach sitting down and people would sit at your feet and you would teach them whatever it is that they were meant to learn. But Jesus goes, no, 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 no. Something is happening here that you can't miss. Something is happening that I don't want you to miss out. There is a symbol here that is greater than you can possibly imagine. You gotta hear this. So he stands up and he shouts, don't miss this. Don't miss this. So, I want you to learn about what Jesus is going to teach us for the thirsty souls that are here today. Now, in our uh, bulletin, we have this thing. It's called a sermon map. If you like, you can open up your bulletin and take out your sermon map. It's what it is. It's, it gives you the scripture and the points that we're making today. If you wanted to follow along, you could actually write in the bulletin. In fact, we encourage it and we'll give you pencils. We have golf pencils that we will give to you. If you just raise your hand, we will give them to you. There's one over here and there's one over here. Keep your hand up. Uh, while Ron and the team uh, bring the pencils around. There's two over here, there's one over here, there's one over here. Okay, great. Okay, so here's, here's what we're gonna learn here. There's a promise for thirsty, thirsty souls. Let's see what we can learn about this. Okay, first thing that we see here at this text, it's that it's Jesus who makes the promise. Now this is important. It's Jesus. Would you write that down? Jesus makes the promise. Do you see it there? Jesus stood up. He's the one. You know why that's important? Because he's about to share how your weary heart, how your broken soul, how your weighed down life is going to find purpose and joy and rest. He's going to share that. And so it's important that we know that Jesus is the one who's saying this. Why? Because a promise is only as good as the person who makes the promise. If I came up to you and I said, hey, you got rent problems? Don't worry. Let me get your account number. I'll put in a couple of million dollars in your account. Just let me get your account number. I'll put in a couple of million dollars in your account. You would look at me and you go, well, I've, I've seen what you drive, Pastor. You don't got a couple of million dollars. You would know. Why? Because no promise that I make you in terms of that would be credible. Because you would consider the person. Isn't that true? 
I want you to consider who's saying this. And here's two things. Jesus is so, he's so much more than anything I could ever say, but at least these two things. Jesus is number one, he's God. Let's say that. Jesus is God. Say it. Jesus is God. Jesus is God. God in a bod. Like that's who Jesus is. Crazy, right? He comes down in the flesh and he says, I'm the one that you've been searching for your whole life. I have the power and the authority to meet every need. I am God. But he's not just God. He's a savior. Somebody say, Jesus is a savior. Jesus is a savior. Somebody say, Jesus is my savior. Jesus is my savior. Oh my gosh. I hope that becomes true for you today, at least, if it hasn't already. But Jesus is a savior. Now, this is important because every problem that you've ever had in your life has been, not every problem, I should have, pastors exaggerate a lot. Forgive me for this. Lots of the problems that you have in your life lots of them, is because you've run because you're thirsty and you've run to the wrong savior to quench your thirst. Does that make sense? And so lots of the problems. So, so if you've ever been addicted to alcohol, you've run to the wrong savior. Jesus is the true savior. Maybe you've run to video games or Maybe computer or, or social media. Maybe you've run to, I don't know what you've run to in order for you to be okay, but everybody runs to a savior. If you're an introvert like me, you run to isolation. If you're an extrovert like some of you, you run to parties and being around other people. This is the point. Everybody's got a savior. The question isn't you have a, oh, you Christians, you guys are crazy. You have a savior. No, no, you don't get it. We all have a savior. We just tend to call our savior Jesus. My question is, what are you calling your savior? It's Jesus that stands up. Listen to me. I know, I know that in your heart you think, if I just won the lottery, everything would be okay. That's you waiting on your savior. Or maybe you think, if I just had that lover, everything would be okay. And I know you think that that's your savior. It's not going to save you from your loneliness, from your ugliness, from your feeling of being ugly and, and, and unworthy. Listen to me. Jesus is not only God. He's a savior. He is a quencher of thirst for the thirsty. That's what we mean by Savior. So that's the first thing we see. And secondly, not only is Jesus uh, is the one who's making the promise, Jesus's promise is to those that are thirsty. Gosh, that's important. Jesus is speaking to the thirsty. So you might be here right now and you go, not thirsty. To which I go, oh my gosh, if there's anything I could do. I, 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 in moments like this, I almost want to be like, um, anybody remember in The Little Rascals? How they had the kids who would come to the little, like, you know, their little boys club. And they, they, they were selling like lemonade. Do you remember this? Everything was free. The entertainment was free. The entrance was free. The seating was free. Everything was free except for the lemonade. The lemonade was a quarter or a nickel or whatever it was. And then they had this, what, froggy in there. Anybody remember this? This is great. And then in the, what happens is, is a, he starts singing, how dry 
Anybody remember that? How dry I am. Well, watch this. This is key. This is key. This is key. Alfalfa understood something. Alfalfa was trying to create a thirst in those who were listening to him. And it's kind of like the work of a pastor, right? It's kind of like helping to uh, help others see the thirst that they have. But I can't create it for you. I, I, I can give you saltine crackers. I can make it real hot in here. I can do all that stuff. But I can't give you a thirst for Christ. And we can't do that in, like, in any one of a hundred ways. Here's all we can do in our gatherings together. We can create an environment where if you come with a thirst, you can have your thirst quenched in Christ. Now, there's a lot of things that prevent us from seeing that we're thirsty. We have another Savior. We have, right? <clears throat> right? We're not drinking water. We've got soda. We got this other thing. We got this other thing that we're drinking that's quenching our thirst. We got this other thing that's satisfying us, which is, which is why many of us don't feel the need for Jesus. We've covered all those bases. And if you're sitting here and you're being, you feel frustrated by me sharing this, then let me suggest that that is at least God trying to get your attention about the thirst that you have presently. Jesus is, is not to everyone. It's only to the thirsty. He's only coming to the worn out. By the way, those are the only ones who can come to Jesus. Many of us think that what we need to come to Jesus is we need to have it all together. We need to come to Jesus with our good morals and our excellent habits and our wonderful lifestyle, our fantastic marriage, our picture-perfect family. Our... No, 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 no. Beloved, listen to me. Listen to me. The only thing that you need to come to Jesus is nothing. But would you believe nothing is the one thing most people don't have? You won't come to Jesus as a needy person in desperate need for your thirst to be quenched. No, come to him with nothing. He only calls on the thirsty. Thirdly, Jesus promises. So Jesus is making this promise. He only promises it to those who are thirsty. And then thirdly, he promises a river of living water. Do you see that? So Jesus, we saw, Jesus stood up and said in a loud voice, he's the one who's making it. And then anyone who is thirsty, we could see that those are the people he's talking to. And he says this, whoever believes in me, that is Jesus, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Isn't that incredible? Not only will your thirst be quenched, but then you'll have a water to help quench the thirst of others. That there's not only a water to quench the thirst of others, there's also be uh, what you need in order to live in a, what seems like a dark world sometimes and in difficult times. 
Jesus promises a river of living water. So what the beauty is, is that the way you come to Christ is the way you grow in Christ. You come to Christ because he's the savior. He's the living water that you need to drink from. He's the one. And then you stay in Christ and you grow in Christ by him doing the work in you. And so because he does this work in you, you don't have to have the pressure of, I, I mean, my goodness, when you come to Christ, you don't have to clean yourself up. You, know, you can run to Jesus. There are things that I presently struggle with today that I've struggled with for decades that I still need Jesus to transform and change in my life. Jesus is doing the work and he promises that if you come to him, if you believe in him, if you run to him, he'll have living water flowing from within you. It's the work that he'll do to not only satisfy your longings, but also to work as a satisfaction in the longings of others. So then the question is, how can I receive Jesus's promise? How can I receive this? So you're here. And you've come today and I'm super grateful. But how can I receive these promises that Jesus gives? How can I get, because my, my throat is dry. I don't need saltine crackers. I don't need a hot lamp under my chair. I have already felt it. In fact, I have recognized in my own soul how I run to other things in order to quench my thirst. Could be something you click on. It could be food in the middle of the night. It could be your credit cards could be telling you who you run to. I don't know. God knows. You know what it is you run to as your savior to get relief from this world or from the ache in your heart. How can we actually receive this water that Jesus gives? And the first, first thing you need to do, and it's really this simple, Come to Jesus. Remember how we said we come to Jesus with nothing? Now, let me share with you. Remember on this uh, last night of this feast, on this last day of this feast, they had a priest who would come, get the water, lead a procession, pour out the jug and all that. Okay, it was symbolizing what God had done in the desert, Moses striking a rock. Okay, listen to me. That is a wonderful picture of the salvation that Jesus gives. In order for the people in the desert to have their thirst satisfied, in order for them to have their, their need quenched, the rock had to be struck. In other words, the rock that represented God among the people had to endure judgment. So it is with Christ. This is why this moment Jesus had to go, hear ye, hear ye. Don't miss this. In order for your thirst to be quenched, Jesus was the one who on the cross had to say, 
I thirst. In other words, he was the one who was struck with the wrath of God in order for you and I to be struck with the love of God. He was the one who was smitten in order for us to be satisfied. He was the one whose judgment came upon him so that you and I could have forgiveness come upon us. So come to Jesus. Come. C-O-M-E. Come. Children, old people, middle-aged people, everybody, come to Jesus. He is able. The longings that you, that you are feeling will only find their satisfaction in Jesus. And then secondly, and so, well, let me just say this. When we come to Jesus, we come to Jesus, as we've talked about so many times before, with our brokenness and our sin, admitting what's already true. So when you come to Jesus, here's what we do. We just admit what's already true. Here's what I know. If you're here, if you're here, here's what I know about you. You dress better than you actually are. Do you know what I mean when I say that? I dress better than I actually am. And so, if that's true, I need, I need forgiveness. I need to come to Jesus confessing, not covering up, confessing, being honest, sharing with him the truth about who I am. And who am I? On a day like today, I get to remember, I wasn't a good son. I wasn't. On a day like today, I remember, oh, the old lady deserved better. On a day like today, I remember some of the things that I did. And you could say, oh, Edwin, you were so young, you were growing up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Some of the things that I did that broke my mother's heart. So I come to Jesus not covering that up. I come to Jesus exposing my brokenness and finding that Jesus loves bad sons. Do you think, if he loves bad sons, do you think he loves bad mothers? Yeah, I know he does. You think he loves absentee fathers? Yeah. Do you think he loves, do you think he loves promise breakers and liars, manipulators? Do you, think, do you think that he loves those who have been running from him and who have built an entire life trying to be okay and recognize that they got everything that they wanted and they're still not okay? You think he loves those people too? So we come to Jesus. But not only do we come to Jesus, I need to drink from Jesus. Does that make sense? Is it, is it silly to say, I confess to Jesus, I want Jesus, and then have nothing to do with Jesus? Does that sound silly to you? Like it would be silly to me if my wife said, I love you, you know, like a meatloaf song, right? 
I want you. I need you. But I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to be with you. It's like a crazy meatloaf song. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, and this is important. It makes sense to then, if I come to Jesus and I'm saved, to come back to Jesus to get that water more and more satisfying me more and more so that when I pour out water unto others, more water gets poured into me. I get rest and joy and satisfaction in Christ, and then I'm able to serve and love my brothers and sisters around me. Brothers, sisters, drink from the Lord.